Welcome to Story and Horse, a podcast where we hear stories from creative lives. Meet new people, hear about their challenges and triumphs, and get inspired to move forward with your creativity. Now here's your host, Hilary Adams. Thanks for joining us on the Story and Horse podcast. I'm Hillary Adams, creative coach and founder of Story and Horse. We offer personalized coaching for creative people. And here on the podcast, we share stories from creative lives. And today for our special holiday edition, I'm very excited to welcome Kasky Hunsader. Kasky is a stage manager, actor, writer, producer, director, and owner of Stage Door Candles, which provides quality hand-poured candles and other fragrance products inspired by Broadway's favorite characters. And he is currently one of the assistant stage managers for Radio City's Christmas Spectacular. Welcome, Kasky. Hi, Hillary. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. So let's begin with a little bit about who you are and what you're up to. Um, yeah, well, I'm uh, originally from Wisconsin, from Colby, tiny little Colby, Wisconsin, in the center of the state, home of Colby Cheese. Um, I was, you know, a, a geeky theater kid growing up, and I did the school musicals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, went to school in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Originally, I was going to be a choir teacher and decided I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to deal with kids in a public school system. And 20 years later, I'm really glad I made that decision. Um, so I switched to musical theater performance. Um, so that's actually what I studied in school with a minor in arts administration. Uh, after school, a couple of years passed by and I had the opportunity. It's kind of full circle because I'm literally going to Radio City to work tomorrow. And 14 years ago, when I moved to the city, I was the production assistant for the Christmas Spectacular. So Radio City has been um, part of my life and my career uh, since moving here, you know, a long time ago as a kid with Broadway dreams. Um, so I moved here in 2007. I was a PA. And then I kind of stumbled into stage management. I was auditioning a lot and, and doing that because that's what I thought I was going to do. I went to school for it. Um, but I stumbled into a stage management job. I had worked briefly before my, my time in New York um, as a spotlight operator for the musical Love Janice, which is a Janice Joplin musical. And they were doing a production of it in San Francisco. And I was a spotlight operator because a friend of mine was working on it and she got me the job. So after I had moved to New York, um, I got a, I was temping and I got a random phone or an email, uh, email sent to me on a Friday afternoon being like, Hey, what city do you live in? So we can book your flight. And I was like, I don't know who you are. What, what is this? And, uh, she's like, Oh, I'm the assistant general manager for the love Janice tour. I have you down as the assistant stage manager. And I was like, LaGuardia, I guess. And so I flew to, <laughs> I flew to Salt Lake city the following Wednesday loaded the show in on Thursday and I was an equity assistant stage manager of a national tour by that Friday. Um, <clears throat> so that was kind of crazy and thus launched my stage management career. And um, uh, I was fortunate enough to do that tour and, uh, and actually learn how to be a stage manager a little bit on the job, definitely thrown into the fire. And then uh, that producer hired me for some more work and stage management work just kind of became my, my main thing. So uh, over the course of like seven or eight years, I, I built up that resume and I kept sending in my resume every year to my old boss at Radio City and in the hopes of joining that team because I kind of wanted to come back and do the show for real now that I was the stage manager. Um, and then after seven years of sending in my resume, so persistence pays off. After seven years, I finally got the, the interview 
um, got hired on for Christmas there and, and other, you know, throughout the, the rest of the year, I work other gigs and I've done 10 national tours. Um, you know, so primarily I've made my living as a stage manager. Um, but I've also written some web series, directed, performed a little bit here and there, um, produced some concerts. Like I, I kind of jack of all trades done, put my, put my foot in, in every little pool I can find, um, you know, in the arts community. And then when COVID hit, um, which I was on the tour of Miss Saigon at the time and uh, down in Florida. So I was in a hotbed of COVID fun uh, right at the launch of it. It was very bizarre. And so I went home and and then uh, I sat there and I was like, well, we're going back to work in a couple of weeks. It'll be super fun. And of course, we all know how that turned out. Um, it was not always expected. <clears throat> and then I sat, you know, in my house and uh, and I was I had all these grand dreams of like, well, I've got all this free time. I'm going to get so much stuff done. I'm going to write. I'm going to like be creative. And then I sat and watched Netflix for like six months. And then I finally realized I need to get my ass off the floor and like do something with this. Um, so on a very random whim, uh, one night, well, I was, I'd, I'd gotten into uh, watching these videos of this woman who makes cold press soaps where they layer in the different colors and make them all really creative and stuff. And I was like, I should make something crafty like that just as a, as a hobby to do. And then I realized how much money and equipment and space was involved in making these soaps. And then I looked into my apartment, which is a very small one bedroom in Harlem and said, that's not going to work. And then very randomly one night at about 8 PM, I was like, what about candles that like smelled like theater characters? And then as the uh, type A stage manager, I am type B, I am in personal life, but as a stage manager, I'm very type A. Um, I, sp- I stayed up all night researching, making spreadsheets, cost, product cost analysis, designing labels, researching scents, finding the sample the sample materials. And by 10 a.m., I stayed up all night, pulled an all-nighter. And at 10 a.m., I had a one sheet that literally had my product design figured out my lineup of scents, my pricing models, everything. And then I sent it to my mom. I was like, is this a thing? And she goes, sure, why not? Try it. Like you got nothing else to do. And I was like, okay. So I ordered some samples. So within the, by the, by like five or six days later, I had this small batch of candles and I sent them out to some friends and I got a really great response. And I was like, you know, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to turn this into a business. Everyone's working from home right now. Everyone's missing theater. So like, let's try to tie these things together. So, you know, you want your homework spaces to smell nice and, um, you know, cut to about, I launched in September of last year. So we're, you know, 14 months later, I've shipped over 900 orders. I think I am at this time. Um, I've been on TV. I've like launched Christmas lines. I've launched a, a special pride collection and, um, you know, somehow I'm a, I'm a Broadway themed home fragrance maker on top of now, fortunately, back to work uh, at Radio City as a stage manager for my seventh Christmas. But, you know, I spend my time off packaging candles and boxes. It's it's a very, an odd path that I did not anticipate in March of, of 2020. But here I am. Wow. So you sort of made your entire business model in one night. Yeah. Overnight. I like, I just, once I get working on the computer, once I start pulling up spreadsheets, time just floats away from me and disappears. And, uh, and I just, I literally ended up up all night doing this. And, 
And basically, if I, I even look at the document to this day, my product is literally, it looks identical to like the mock-ups that I made and everything oh, on that one, that one on a random whim in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Can you give us, this is, it's called Stage Door Candles. Is that right? Stage, yep. Stage Door Candle Company. We, um, so I started with candles um, and then almost immediately added on because I started realizing, you know, for dressing rooms, sometimes you can't have candles because I'm a responsible stage manager. And I know that performers can't have candles in their rooms in certain theaters because of fire. So um, I do the candles, I do room sprays, and I do um, oil diffuser bottles with the reeds in them. So we have like the short-term light a candle, the quick blast of a, of a room spray, or the long-term oil. And uh, I've created a, a, a mini home fragrance empire. That's amazing. Can you give us an example of a couple of what the scents are? Yeah, I are my both my most popular ones, um, you know, in a copyright non-infringing manner is our two best friends collection, which is inspired by Wicked. So I have Green Girl and she's popular. And so these definitely smell like those two witches. Green Girl is this beautiful, earthy botanical clove and aloe and um and and she's popular smells pink, basically. <laughs> it's pink orchids and juicy florals and and fresh summer fruits and things like that. Um, I have a Les Mis collection, Eponine, Cosette, and Marius. Um, Eponine is a, is a really popular one. It's lavender and mint. Cosette is rose. Marius is a sandalwood kind of based one. Um, I have Kim and Chris, which is the Miss Saigon scents. Uh, and I have Sophie and Sky, which are these beautiful Mediterranean uh, scents that are smell like the beach, like a Greek beach, kind of um, inspired by Mamma Mia. Uh, as well as our holiday collections and uh, and a pride collection of six LGBTQ themed candles from all sorts of different characters. Wow. I'm trying to think of how, what fun it would be when you're developing a character as an actor, thinking about mm. what is my scent? Yeah. I actually have had some conversations with some, you know, some actors who have like originated some Broadway roles as I've looked into expanding more scents and stuff. And um, I was speaking with Andrea Rivette, who played um, Emma on Jekyll and Hyde. She did it on, on Broadway and I believe on the tour as well. And she was like, oh, if you ever make an Emma candle, here's the set. Because she had personally came up, like she found a, a fragrance, a perfume that she thought was her character. And she would put that on before every show. And it's a very distinct, you know, scent. So I think, you know, fragrance is a really, it's such a strong, um, it's a strong sense for people and it instantly evokes memories and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Wow. And if people want to um, check them out, they can go to stagedoorcandles.com. Is that correct? Stagedoorcandles.com. Yep. And we're on all social media as stage door candle without BS because it's too many letters for some of the social media. <laughs> well, all those links will be in the show notes below. So make sure you check them out. Um, and do you have a story? that you'd like to share with us a creative theme story yeah like what's interesting is my my whole journey you know as a, as a stage manager um you kind of are there to service other folks work which is a very rewarding and awesome awesome job but like my creative thing has been creating your own opportunities and it's whether even if it's not in the arts whatever it might be for you starting a little etsy shop or just joining joining a group or something like uh, making your own opportunities is so integral to kind of finding artistic, creative satisfaction. 
So I never would have dreamed I was doing this, but like I've found this so incredibly fulfilling from a creative standpoint. It's allowed me, you know, to to use my my creative muscles for the marketing and for coming up with the sense and and all that kind of stuff. So it was never it wasn't intended as a creative outlet for me, but I found that it's been incredibly uh, rewarding as a creative outlet, and and that's something I've kind of always been doing in my career. I, I you know when I was still trying to balance acting with the stage management and like auditioning and stuff like that. I, I, <laughs> I got, it was, it was terrible. I, I went to some auditions back in the day when I was still auditioning on a regular basis. And I auditioned for a musical called um, fat camp. I'm a chubby guy. And, but I was like in my mid to late twenties. So I was going to all these chorus boy auditions. Cause that's foolish. Like, well, I'm not a chorus boy. Um, but I was going and I was getting rejected. And I was like, well, of course, because I'm like 100 pounds heavier than anyone else in this room. So I finally go to this audition for the musical Fat Camp. And I nailed it. I nailed it. I was the I was the only person who did the dance call and wasn't like bent over, heaving and ho- I was like, I got this. I got the energy. Like, I'm big, but I can move. Um, and I didn't get cast. And I knew the casting director through my stage management work. So I followed up, not in like a mean way, but I was just like, hey, do you have any feedback? Like, I'm curious as to what happened. And then they told me, well, you weren't big enough. And I was like, oh, (laughs) because when you constantly get rejected for your size and then you go to something called fat camp and then you told you're you're not fat enough, boy, that is a rude awakening. (laughs) And then weeks later i auditioned for a production of susical and i auditioned to be horton the elephant again played by a bigger person and then i did and i had a great audition and i didn't get it and then i had worked for that company before as a stage manager it's very helpful to work with as a stage manager because you know all the people and then you can go into the room and follow up with them i contacted the creative the the associate uh, artistic director and i was like hey do you have any feedback on my audition she's like you were great but like we're looking for someone really big to play an elephant. So within like the course of a couple of weeks, I was rejected for to be an elephant or just a fat person for not being fat enough after years of rejection for being fat. And that drove me, I got so mad and that drove me to, um, to write a web series. And I literally, I like furious. I was on a flight home to Wisconsin to visit family or something. And I had a couple of cocktails on the plane and I pulled out my computer and I wrote a pilot for a TV show called Fat Guy. And I was just like, yeah. And I, I like cast this, uh, this woman um, to be my agent. And she was always like encouraging me to eat food because she wanted me to even, like she wanted me the fat character. So I like got all my frustration out from this and I wrote this script. And then I had some people, and I ended up producing it as a web series. I split it up into like nine episodes and I, sh- I shot it and everything. And I was like, cause if I can't get cast, I'm going to make my own work. And I was, I'm like, and the best part was it, it's, it's so like life imitating art, imitating life and back and forth is that when I premiered this show and I put it out there, um, I noticed a whole bunch of site traffic going to the website one day and it was coming from a private, like, uh, Uh, group that was like a message board group and I like tracked back to it because I was really curious as to why I was getting like hundreds of hits in a day from this place so I had to like join the group I like used a fake email address and I like joined this it turns out this is very embarrassing and weird but it turns out it was a feeder gainer fetish website and there is a a community of, of gentlemen who enjoy from a romantic standpoint shall we say 
um, encouraging people to eat and gain weight because they are attracted to overweight people. And somebody was like, oh, hey, you know, if you're looking to look at a fat guy, goof around in a, in a pair of boxers and do a photo shoot, here's a video you can watch. And then there was this amazing argument in the message boards about people telling, saying that he's not fat enough. And they're like, typical Hollywood, they cast somebody who's not even fat to play a fat person. But the original poster was like, just so you know, he wrote and directed and produces the show and it's based on his own life. And then there was like this whole debate. So it became this weird, massive circular thing. And, and you know, that's what happens when you get rejected from an audition sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I, I inspired a healthy and vigorous debate, apparently, on this, on this fetish website. Yeah over whether or not I was fat enough to play somebody fat. And I was like, you've proven my point by having this argument. It's literally why I wrote the show for this exact argument. It was kind of amazing. So weird. (laughs) And how frustrating to have have the body typing happen and then to be told, well, you don't fit on this side of the spectrum either. Like, you know, neither one, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I was like, finally, I was like, finally ready. To, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into the casting choices that support my body type. And then they're like, oh, just kidding. You're not fat enough. And I'm like, ah, like, I mean, on the one hand, it's a compliment, but on the other hand, it's like, I want the job. Right. You're like, I can be a very good elephant. Horton, yes, exactly. Hort, I make an excellent elephant. So. The role I was born for. <laughs> Amazing. All right, I'm going to completely pivot us because yes. I want to ask you about um, at Radio City for the Christmas Spectacular, there are camels on the stage. Um, and I've always had a soft spot of my heart for the Radio City animals, especially the camels. So I was wondering if you could tell us a story um, about one of the camels. Yeah, I mean, you know, just in general, working at Radio City, it's such a it's a really incredible experience and I'm so lucky because I'm a, I'm a part of a very, you know, in the scheme of things, a very small group of people who get the opportunity to make that place their workplace every year. And um, it's so historical on the Rockettes. I mean, everyone knows who the Rockettes are, um, but the real stars of the show are the camels. And uh, we have live camels in every show. We do a living nativity scene and it's really, it's, it's, it's such a special and weird thing that your coworkers are camels and like part of, you know, depending on which track I do, I run one of four different tracks in every show. And one of the tracks is literally like you're, you're, you're clearing an elevator for on stage for the cast. And then you turn around and your job is to go to the camel room and say, camels come with me. And then announce to everyone, the camels are coming. The camels are coming. Watch out because they have a giant kick radius. Um, so yeah, the camels are such a, a, a special thing. And what's crazy is they are so smart. And I, I didn't, I didn't know anything about camels prior to doing the show as because most people don't. Um, but I've learned so much about them. And what I've grown to appreciate is how um, intelligent they are. And uh, one of the camels who worked there for many, many years, and his name was Ted, he is an institution. Everybody who's worked there in the last 25 years knows who Ted is. And he's really a special, special animal. And sadly, he actually passed away a few months ago. So he is not with us for this Christmas season. And his his absence is very much felt in the building because um, he was kind of the alpha of the group of camels. So he was the team leader who's the calming pre- you know, presence that keeps the other animals like 
cool and chill. And the other animals are great. We have two other camels that do a wonderful job in the show. But Ted, Ted was really the the, the dad of the group, and he kind of just kept everyone in line. And he is so was so smart, and they know their cues. You know, it's uh, every night. Uh, we get to cue the camels like we're, when we're doing the nativity and hark the herald angel sings. And there's a moment when we say camels go and then the trainers and the trainers rotate out, you know, they get volunteers to come and help. Um, the trainers will walk them out. So they're always looking to me like, when do I go? Cause they don't know their cue, but it's a musical cue. And a couple of seasons ago, I recall I was on stage left and Ted was there as always. And the trainer was brand new and had never run the track before. So the trainer was like definitely staring at me white knuckling it like do I when do I take a camel on stage and I had zoned out I had just zoned out entirely I'm staring on stage being like oh look at the beautiful show there it is and I had missed the cue totally just missed the cue but before I can like catch myself I feel this soft wet womp on the side of my face and then I turn and Ted is headed on stage exactly at the moment he's supposed to and I, I, I like this story because it shows how smart these animals are, because this is a, a, a three-pronged thing going on with Ted. A, he knew when his cue was, like, music, like he heard the song. It was like, this is when I walk out there. So he took his cue. But B, he knew that I was supposed to be the one cueing him because he had never done that before, where he like gave me a little, it wasn't like a, a like a, a, a violent thing it was like a gentle tap like a little just a kind of just nudged my head and then just went off he knew that I was supposed to give the cue and that I missed it and the number three is that he he'd never done that before so he wanted me to know that I had missed the cue and that he was going to take his cue anyway and I was like that is a smart animal <laughs> to like know that and be like hey buddy you screwed up but I'm gonna go take my cue anyway and after that, I was like, I, I, you know, what a smart animal, like what a special moment. But um, I, it's, it's just, it's, it's very magical working with them. It's, it's a, it's a very special thing We're we're lucky. You don't often see a camel in Midtown. So the fact that they're my coworkers and that I see them every day and I know them by name, I don't even know all the handlers by name, but I know the camels by name and they have very distinct personalities and they're, and they're, and they're funny and uh and smart and it's just a it's a really cool it's a really cool like cherry on top of of, of the magic that is working there anyway oh thank you thank you for sharing oh that is a magical story yeah i love the fact that ted kind of gave you a little with his lips kind of gave you a little nuzzle to tell you yeah. hey yeah <laughs> Like I know he was, it's like, I'm, I'm watching you and you, you screwed up and I want you to know that, that I know you screwed up. And I was like, well, you got me, Ted. You got me. <laughs> Ted's like, I got your back. It's all yeah. right. <laughs> he's like, I got this. Oh, 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 and, and, and yeah, as he starts walking and I hadn't said ghost, the handler is like, is this right? And I was like, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Just go, just go. <laughs> the poor handler who's never done this before is like, ah, camel going onto stage. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, just follow him. Ted, Ted knows what he's doing. It's great. <laughs> you imagine that poor handler, the handler's version of the story is the moment the camels took, decided to start walking on stage without any assistance at all. Yeah. <laughs> just go with it. You just go with it. Oh, bless Ted. I'm sorry. He's not with us anymore. Yeah. It's, just, it's pretty sad. Yeah. He's, he's a legend for sure. 
Oh, thank you. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to say thank you for being here. And is there um, anything else you'd like to share about um, candles or any, any place else you'd like people to go check something out that you're working on? Um, I mean, uh, I can tell you that if you're in the New York City area and it's this is we're airing this on Christmas some happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, my items and uh, the items of about 30 other uh, Broadway makers are currently on sale in a physical pop-up shop in the Columbus uh, Circle turnstiles down in the, the subway station. We have a store there. I'm part of an, a, a group of other Broadway fans who make merchandise and we have rented for 10 weeks, a little pop-up shop. We're selling our, our merchandise in person, which is really cool. So there's not only my, my products are carried there, but we have about 30 different vendors who all make Broadway themed items. Um, and that's running till the first week of January. Um, and also if you're in New York or if you're not in New York, but you're coming and you're a theater fan, I will be selling at Broadway con this year in February in the second weekend of February. So you can see me in person, but of course, everything is available on my website at stagedoorcandles.com. And uh, so check it out. We've got a lot of exciting things happening in the new year. And also a portion, and this is something that I've done since the beginning, a portion of all my sales are donated to Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Um, it's a great organization that supports the theater community, and which has been necessary. A, they've been de depleted because we haven't been able to collect because the Broadway shows were shut down. And more than ever, the Broadway community has needed their support. So it's a really great organization. So anytime you make a purchase through me, um, a portion of that sale goes as a donation to them. Oh, thank you. And if people want to reach you, um, your website is your name.com, Kaskihansader.com. Yep. Okay. And again, everyone, that, that, that those links will be in the show notes. So thank you, Kaski, for being with us here today on this special holiday edition. Thank you. It's been a podcast. pleasure. <laughs> Sharing a little bit of the Radio City magic with us here. Um, congratulations on your candle um, business, as well as getting back into stage managing after the time away during the pandemic. Yes, it's been so nice to finally get back to work. And I can't believe I say that, but it's nice to have a job and be working. <laughs> Absolutely. And everyone who's listening, if you'd like to read Story and Horse, you can find us at storyandhorse.com. And on social media, we're at Story and Horse. Happy holidays, everyone. And thank you for listening. And we look forward to having you with us for the next episode of the Story and Horse podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye, Kasky. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for being with us today. Please help us spread the word by subscribing and sharing this podcast with friends. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode.